Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out numaoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery elevating the archery experience take a test drive with the matthews v331 or 27 at a local dealer near you vortex optics i've been partnered with vortex since 2010 this company is awesome they're american owned veteran owned they're based in wisconsin their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics accessories and apparel most of the apparel that i wear while training scouting and hanging out around the house is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out, and if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE at checkout, and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon Tube, and their Radian Carbon, and it also has a ball leveling head, and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There is a tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime no-fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at VortexOptics.com.
Welcome to the Oakshade Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. I got an email from a guy who basically said, bro, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I heard you on the Dudley podcast talk about how you are basically a strength and conditioning coach, but you quit your aspirations of being a professional at the NFL level because you wanted to hunt more. He's like, I'm in the same boat. Can you give me any advice? And I just emailed him back and said, bro, come on my podcast. Let's talk about it. So today we're sitting down with Ryan Gonzalez, strength and conditioning coach out of Colorado who has an unwavering passion for elk hunting and is starting, he's early in his career. So he's starting to see the light that, oh, elk hunting doesn't really coincide with being a strength and conditioning coach, especially for, you know, at the collegiate high school level. And if you make it to the professional level, it's it's a hundred percent guaranteed you're not going to be hunting in the fall you're going to be in the weight room or on the sidelines during games or traveling with the team you will not be in the mountains so we're going to bring him on today get to know his story and he's also a weekend warrior so we're going to talk uh, a lot about the best tactics to make the most of your september or whatever your season is if you only have weekends it's a great listen hope you guys dig it without further ado this is the strength coach, Mr. Ryan Gonzalez, and you're listening to the Elk Shade Podcast. You got me good? I got you good. Cool, cool. Uh, so what's up, Ryan? Nothing much. How's it going? Uh, great, man. Living the dream, I think. Uh, just busy like you. Every day is a holiday. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> How's that gym coming? Uh, it's good. We're waiting for... Um, Gosh, they're bringing in, um, I guess they're going to bring in some rock a little bit, a little bit of gravel, get it spread out, pour the concrete. Uh, we're hiring the concrete out, so Monday, Tuesday they pour. Mm-hmm. And, and um, my buddy Drew Howerton's going to help me with the electrical. Uh, I think we're going to go to code. I think we're going to pull a permit for that. I'm pretty sure. Huh? Uh, maybe. And then uh, probably now that I brought it up and then after that, I'm out of money. I'm not going to be doing, um, I'm not going to frame it really or do spray foam until 2022 unless okay. uh, somebody starts like a GoFundMe account because uh, <laughs> I just bought the flooring. It's 40 by 30. So uh, I don't know. I think we ordered either eight mil or maybe, yeah, I think it was eight millimeter rubber flooring uh, okay. rolls. So that takes forever to, you got to order that like six weeks out. So that's going to get here soon. And then we'll transfer some of the garage gym equipment that we have and then skip the framing and insulation and buy some workout gear. Nice. I don't know. Do you have a home gym? Um, I have equipment for a home gym. I don't have room in our garage. So yeah, it's from a, I used to own my own gym and when we closed that down, I ended up keeping some of the equipment and then my business partner took the other half basically. So I have a bunch of equipment. I actually even have most of my equipment at a friend's house because he has a garage gym. So I loaned him some, but yeah, I don't have room for one and I work at a gym. So I'm there 24 seven basically. Okay. Okay. I got you. So where are you, where do you live right now, Ryan? I live in Colorado Springs. Okay. You're in the Springs area. What's uh, you're a strength and conditioning coach or a, a trainer? Um, what are yeah. you? Strength conditioning coach. Okay, cool. So where are you at? Where do you do that at? Uh, the facility I work at right now is called Speed and Strength Society. 
I like the name. Yeah, it's a cool name. We just rebranded, actually. It was called The Arena. It's still the, the facility itself is still called The Arena, but we took the performance side and re rebranded it, and now it's called Speed and Strength Society. What's the demographic uh, that you work with primarily? Uh, I primarily work with the evening groups, um, and it's mostly baseball and softball players. Okay. Year-round? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we have uh, – we have attached club teams to the facility because the facility also has a basketball court, uh, has batting cages and that whole realm. And we have, uh, it's family owned. So the, one of the brothers is he's the director of performance. The other brother is a baseball coach. So he has his own like club teams that they started. And so it's 90% baseball and softball teams that come in and train with us. And then there's a few other athletes that come in as well from different sports and different areas as well. Yeah. Okay. And then before that, you had said you had your own gym, dude. Like what? Uh, tell me the backstory on that. Uh, so when I first got out of the military and I was going to school, um, I met this guy. I was in the gym just training, just at a random gym, just a local gym. Uh, met this guy. He was like, hey, you should come join my group that I'm doing. And I always see them in there. There's like a small group, a little team. Well, they're doing Olympic weightlifting. And I was like, well, I've never done Olympic weightlifting before. I've done some like power cleans here and there, but that's about it. And then so I ended up a couple weeks later hanging out with him and joining the group a little bit. The area that we were working at in that local gym wasn't a very good area. It was a very small area. It was a pretty small gym. So there wasn't a lot of room to do what we needed to do. We had started to grow. We had like 10, I think it was more, no, it was like 15. We had like 15 athletes that were all trying to train on two platforms. So it was fun, but it was definitely small. And then he was reaching out and saying that he wanted to open up his own gym, he found out that I was going to school for strength and conditioning, and he's like, hey, how about we just open up this gym together? And then we ended up taking out a business loan, and we built this awesome gym, and it lasted a few years, and then we kind of went our separate ways, but it was for the better, though. Okay, yeah. Hey, I've had a business partner in the gym industry. We were great friends before business partners, uh -huh. uh, and then... We, I don't think we were the best business partners. I don't think I'm the best person to be in business with. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest, yeah. Uh, I operate at a interesting level of uh, I'm a workaholic. Mm -hmm. and my name is Dan Staten and I am a workaholic. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I will, I will just wear people out. And uh, what was your guys's dynamic? Like, like give me the good and the bad for those that think about getting a business partner and stuff. Our dynamic was pretty good as far as coaching went together and running the gym. I just think that we didn't pour our heart into it at the time because we both had separate things going on. So I was trying to finish school full time um, and also trying to do an internship at the Air Force Academy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it wasn't working out great. Um, I had a few change, like just like life situations that changed and had to go through and then he had his whole family that he was working through and then they were kind of planning to move to California last second. So they ended up moving to California. So realistically we were good partners and we worked well. I think we just had, it was just timing wise. I think timing was just not right. Did that scratch your itch or do you feel like someday you're going to own your own thing and do your own thing in the fitness space? Uh, no, it definitely made me realize that I don't, I don't know. Well, it's kind of hard. Like I don't truly enjoy working for somebody else, I do always want to kind of plan and do my own thing, whether it's an online business, which I have created already, but nice. I haven't really dived into it too much. But um, it's definitely 
a different realm when you run your own business and you work for yourself. The grind is a little different because you know that you have to make it work. Whereas opposed sure. to working for somebody else, you kind of just, you know, you also feel like you're working for somebody else. You're just doing stuff for them. It's the truth. You are, but you do get to clock out. Um, that is true. <laughs> and that's one thing I don't feel like I, I get to do well, or I'm not great at is clocking out. Mm-hmm. So I do get jealous of those that have like normal jobs and stuff where like they got a said, a said salary and a said amount of hours. And that's not for me though, at the end of the day. Um, and I would encourage you to, because here's the, I got I guess I should back up. The reason why Ryan's on the podcast today, guys, he sent me this email and I'm gonna let you share the email that you sent or paraphrase it. But as soon as you sent it to me, I was like, uh, yeah, let's just podcast about that. Cause it made <laughs> sense to me. So what did you send me? And you'd never um, sent me an email before. No, never. I just reached out randomly. I didn't even think you were going to respond. I just kind of shot it out there as like a, here's who I am. I relate to you. And I know you've been through this as well. Can we talk about this? But it was basically, um, I follow the same path. I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. I'm very passionate about it. I love being a strength coach, but I also love hunting. And those two interfere with each other because of the time frame where you have to be in the weight room or on the field with the athletes. And it's the same time, same season as hunting. So it's kind of a, it's a hard balance between the two when you're passionate about both. And then I kind of reached out to you about that, just dropped that down and then said, if you have any tips or questions or any way you could help me out with just career choices and how to kind of separate those passions, but also not completely give them up either. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, it's a tough one to honestly. So uh, if I were to do it all over again, uh, I would have hoped, you know, bow hunting obviously changed my life. Um, the, the backstory on that is really uh, I killed a bull with a rifle and I was like, I want to hunt these things when they're bugling. Mm-hmm. And I looked into it and found out, oh, you need a bow to do that. Okay, I'll go get one. And I just got one. And I just, I'll teach myself, you know, that kind of thing. And it wasn't just, it wasn't very long. And I was so down the rabbit hole. I mean, I was, I think the very next year, I booked a caribou hunt in Alaska solo. Uh, oh, wow. I was 20 years old. And, uh, just hired a pilot and a drop-off hunt and like looking back just kind of like dude you really don't have a lot of business hunting caribou by yourself in alaska uh there's no in reaches back then i I think i had a cell phone but there wasn't very many towers especially in alaska and um and then the other side of me ryan's like no actually that's the best damn idea ever if you want to go cut your teeth why not go hunt caribou at the end of july or early august in alaska and just go wear yourself out and that's what i did but uh my point to that is if you need to be a strength and conditioning coach and that's your that's your passion um you might not be an elk hunter with a bow just it just doesn't make sense for me to see a strength and conditioning coach especially if you work with football athletes dude, you're on the sidelines on Friday night or Saturdays or Sundays. And then you're back after film. I mean, most football players train their hardest the day after the football game. And then the next day, and then there's lighter loading. I mean, you know, the loading, you know, the in season, the seasonality, 
So then you would have to look hard into, okay, maybe elk hunting is something I, I do with the rifle later in the season or whatever. But I would be like, well, if I love bow hunting, then I need to figure out how to make the spring my fall. And I don't know if your spring's busy or if you're winter, what is like your seasonality, Ryan? Um, so now it's actually pretty good because I'm in the private sector. Okay. So I work Monday through Friday and I have weekends off. So with bow season being the full month of September, it's still kind of decent. I can go on the weekends um, and do my scouting ahead of time. And I can go on the weekends and do those weekend hunts. It's just, you know, it's not the best, but it, I do have time to do it. Um, the, re, the, pop, the problem is that I'm trying to be a college strength coach. And I don't know if that's truly what I want to do because of that, you know, uh -huh. Yeah. And then here in the private sector, and my boss knows that my the director performance, you know, he's doing everything he can to help me out get into the college, college realm if I really want to. But um, it's the goal of making that decision because I'm applying for jobs now. And then if I get one, it's the fact of do I actually take this or do I have it good where I'm at and I'm just overlooking it is kind of the issue. Yeah, it sounds like I mean, it's very prestigious to to, to get into that collegiate level as a strength coach. Uh -huh. But, uh, I mean, I got several friends I've interned here and there, man, that's the longest hours and it's a grind. And then what's the end goal? Like, are you trying to do like what my dream was, was to just, I was going to start at college and work my way up to the NFL. And that was the pinnacle for me. I wanted to be an NFL coach, a uh, strength and conditioning coach. And a couple of my mentors made it. Uh, so, I felt like it was possible, but then I, I fell in love with elk hunting and I was like, immediately pumped the brakes. I was like, this doesn't work. I choose elk hunting over strength and conditioning. Do you think you're in a position, like, have you elk hunted long enough to where you know that's what's going to win? Or are you like, oh, I can dabble on the weekends because there ain't no shame in just being a weekend warrior for elk hunting. You could make it work and we can talk about how to be the most effective hunter on the weekends. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that would be the perfect balance is just being that kind of weekend warrior and then, you know, being a strength coach Monday through Friday. Um, I could also obviously, you know, take time off that I have, I've er um, earned to on that time frame and that works very well. Um, but elk hunting is definitely something I love doing. Um, I can't say I've been doing it a long time. I have, I grew up hunting with my dad, rifle hunting. Um, but I have never killed an elk with a bow. And so that's been kind of my ultimate goal for the last few years. And it hasn't been able to happen yet because of time frames and because I was doing my internship and because of those situations. So hopefully this year with having that schedule set like that it'll be a little bit better and I'll I will have to find that perfect dynamic to be able to get out there and be more efficient on the weekends and weekends only yeah I feel that how old are you I'm um, 29 yeah okay so you're not like a pup but you're definitely hitting like your stride where it's like okay I'm 29 time to rock and roll um I wonder if so the guy that I was under is named Luke Richardson I believe he might be still the strength coach of the Broncos um, okay and I, I might be able to reach out to him for you, maybe get you like some time just checking out the NFL vibe. I mean, it's a pretty sexy job. I mean, mm -hmm. working who wouldn't want to work with the, the best athletes in the world. 
Uh, it's certainly a little bit of a letdown once you go from working with the best athletes in the world back to like little spoiled 14 year old kids where mom and dad pay for everything. And they're trying to live their dreams out through their kid. Uh, that's the worst. I'm sure you've had a little bit of that, but at the end of the day, uh, I think you could go back to like, you have a performance director, you said. Yes. Okay. There's got to be a way to start your own underground strength and conditioning center and you hire a performance director eventually that replaces you and that performance director hires a bunch of Ryan Gonzalez's to be in the trenches with the athletes doing the strength and conditioning. Obviously that's a longer, that's a long-term plan, but you're kind of like forecasting a vision and then working your way back, like reverse engineering. How can I duplicate myself? How can I create uh, a business? And a business is only a business if it runs without you having your foot on the gas pedal, where you have systems in place and everything's kind of like a machine. It's automated and it's, you know, you're building, you focus more on building a brand, a community. Uh, that's something to think about for sure. The other thing yeah. is just grind it out right now where you're at and take advantage of the weekend. So let's talk about that. Like, give me your plan because I imagine you're doing over the counter crazy ass Colorado that doesn't have a cap on how many non-residents can come over and hunt elk with y'all. Uh, what is your plan? What time do you get off on Friday and what time do you got to be at work on Monday? And PS, are you married? and Do you have kids? Uh, not married yet. I do have kids. One kid. Okay. okay. Newborn. <laughs> okay. This is, you just made it a million times harder, but with good communication, with solid investments, when it comes to depositing time and love, you might be able to break away this September for a few weekends. So um, let's hear it. What's your plan of attack? Okay. Um, as far as girlfriend and the kid, she knows what I'm passionate about and she's an awesome support system. So she's totally down with the whole hunting and me getting away for that month of September on the weekends. We have a plan. We have, you know, we communicate it very well, I think. Um, so that should not be an issue. That should be, we should be money in the bank on that part. Um, as far as the actual plan of how I'm getting out, as far as work goes Friday, Late nights, I get off at 9 p.m. every night. My last class finishes at 8.30. I spend the last 30 minutes cleaning up and closing the gym down, and then I head home. So I get off pretty late. Mm -hmm. Um, May have to sacrifice some sleep to get out there early morning Saturdays or take off a Friday here and there if I can. Um, Monday, not bad Monday. Um, Me and the director performance, we've gotten pretty close over the last couple years. So we do work out together before coaching. So he coaches the morning groups. It's all like tactical athletes, uh, military, firefighters, police, that kind of thing. A few just regular um, general fitness population adults that also attend those classes. And then he has a break where I come in and we kind of overlap. We train together, we live together. And then he does some programming and stuff when I start coaching. And then he heads out for the day around three o'clock and then I finish the night out. So that's basically how that works. So realistically, if I'm not training or not working out, I don't have to be there until noon. So a little bit of a late start for me during the day. Um, typically when I do work out, we, I get there about 10 o'clock and we work out for that two hours. So I fully do have the, you know, full Saturday, full Sunday, even 
can be a late Sunday night if it needs to be. Okay, but, how far a drive is it to your unit of choice? Um, I'm switching my unit of choice this year to a little bit different spot, but it's about the same. I'd say it's about, well, actually, it's a little further. So this one's a three and a half hour drive. Okay, so, well, have you spent much time in the unit? Have you got any scouting in the summer so far? Have you got a vibe on the roads? the trail systems, the bottlenecks, what areas are going to attract the most pressure? Like what's your vibe on that unit? Um, so this unit's actually pretty good. So the unit is actually near where my mom grew up. So my mom's family still lives down there. So I'm able to kind of have a, uh, a guided hunt, if you can, <laughs> if you will. Um, my mom's family lives down there and they know all the areas like the back of their hands. So I'll be going down there with some family. Um, I haven't scouted yet. I've just e-scouted basically using Onyx and then talking with her family. Well, I say her family, like I'm not related to them, but our family. Um, okay. Getting some ideas of where they go and then kind of planning it out through Onyx and e-scouting. That's pretty much all I've done. Okay. So okay. Do you have cameras out at all? Um, not yet. No. So this weekend we have TAC. I'm going up to Glenwood Springs for the TAC. And then the weekend after that, I will be headed out there to go scout and put some cameras up. Okay. Uh, what kind of cameras do you run? Uh, I just recently got a spy point camera. It's the, the trail, the cellular camera from spy point. Yeah. Same. I'm in the same boat. That's what I'm running this year. Nice. Yeah. So um, stoked. Did you get signed up for the app so you can get transmissions? Yes, I did. So okay. I, we have property out West as well. And so I went up to the property just to kind of see what we have out there and I put the camera up little disappointed. So the, uh, cell service isn't that great at, oh. at least that location anyway and i have i have how many bars do, how many bars do you have there um for the camera or for my like actual cell phone service your actual cell phone uh it ends up being like one bar yeah i feel like from my tinkering it's got to be a two bar situation to uh -huh. get good transmission and they make a booster which will make that one bar area go to a three bar area Mm -hmm. So might want to check out the booster. The, I know I'm running those. And then um, you really got to figure out which cell phone provider is the right one for your area. You know, yeah. I've always been a Verizon guy, just thinking that they had better coverage in the mountains out West. But my producer, Tim, and I spent a lot of time together in the mountains and he's AT&T hipster. And he's <laughs> been kicking my ass on cell phone service, man. I don't know what yeah. it is in some of the areas, but either way, you got to figure out your, your provider, but yeah. uh, that cell phone could change the game. So you gotta, you gotta find a good spot to get that working. And the cool thing about those cameras is like, they still take photos and they go save to the memory card. So if you're not getting transmissions, you still get, you still got to go check the camera and you'll have Intel, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's fast forward because by the time this podcast comes out, it'll just be a couple weeks before hunting season. So I mean, shoot you straight. If, if we had to trade places, if I was in your shoes, I would really do a damn good job of getting as much sleep as possible Monday through Thursday. Mm -hmm. I would roll into that gym on Friday, do your workout at 10 or whatever for two hours, maybe not so much, two hours of working out leading into an awesome elk hunt in Colorado. But 
uh, as soon as you bounced out, I would probably head straight to the trailhead and I would pack in to whatever areas you've picked out uh, and spike out just to get away from the weekend warriors. You know, when I hunt during the week in a lot of like high pressure areas, I don't always, I don't, I hardly ever bivy hunt. Sometimes I'll spike out, but a lot of times I hunt from the truck and I'll just kind of cover an insane amount of country on foot. Yeah. But I also have, you know, the luxury of, of hunting midweek, which is my preference. So for weekend warrior, I would probably just plan on not sleeping on Friday very much at all and hike in the dark with my camp on my back. And I'd get up high, if you will. And I would assume in Colorado, a lot of areas have timberline. And I would also assume that the majority of the elk are going to be above timberline when it's not daylight hours on their feet feeding. And I would probably try to get to timberline and start chucking bugles, locator bugles, soft cow calls, loud cow calls, whatever, in the dark and try to get some elk located to hunt in the morning or get kind of close, but not too close to some elk. And maybe not even go to bed until you've covered enough country and gotten a couple different elk to pipe off or crack off back at you uh, because you don't have a lot of time. I don't think you should be elk hiking. I think you should be elk hunting as soon as it's daylight. And to me, that's going to require, you know, a little, a little bit of a, a transition game where I would, possibly not get much sleep but i would be on those elk at first light trying to get them right in transition and then try to coyote them to their bedroom and then if you don't get a shot or if they're not that vocal uh i personally because you're hunting solo right yes i'm not gonna run your classic shooter caller because you don't have a caller so midday madness becomes very tricky depending on topography terrain that elk's temperature. So then I would probably try to stay fairly close to elk, like say 500 yards from where they bed, assuming you can keep up and, and kind of parallel the herd to their bedroom. If you didn't get a shot in transition and then maybe get a siesta, kind of catch up on your sleep right there on the mountain with all your gear on your back. And, and maybe you'll get woken up a couple of times throughout the day, from a bull bugling in his bed or whatever. Uh, but once that four o'clock, once the shadows get longer, once those elk start to get re- restless a little bit, maybe a couple cows will get up and start feeding and a bull will stand up to go get water or to rake a tree or to sniff his cows or to, to do whatever. That's might be the time to kind of wait for those thermals to get right. And then attack those elk hard that last hour of daylight. Again, kind of a transition game, get aggressive. If you don't get them, then you kind of at least have a herd. Don't mess it up. And you can hunt that herd all weekend long, just kind of capitalizing on those AM PMs. And then to be honest, if you don't get it done, bro, you got Sunday night, you potentially could have a two, three hour hike in the dark back to the truck, two, three hour drive back home, take a nap. And you're back to Monday knowing that, Hey, I'm going to keep running this program. I'm going to be exhausted, but I can sleep the rest of the year. September is finite. Yeah, I like that. Um, I definitely think the biggest part of getting preparation for that is just getting out there and scouting. So that way I can 
hike up there at night and get to those high elevations and know where the hell I'm at basically and then still be able to be aggressive on the bulls just like you said and we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from black rifle coffee company these guys make amazing coffee here in the u.s and they're veteran known and they're proudly american and unapologetic i appreciate that if you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag ready to drinks or check out that new flying elk roast flavor use the discount code elk shape and that'll save you 15 percent also kafaru international this is the backpack of choice for elk hunters i use the hoodlum or the 44 mag you guys need to check out kufaro international if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain head over to kufaro.net to learn more we're also brought to you by onyx hunt the number one hunting gps app i've pretty much gone away from using an old school gps obviously i still carry like an inreach but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the onyx this is the fastest downloading offline maps out there as well as the most resilient bulletproof not going to crash on you when you need it most i run tracking most days while elk hunting and i found onyx to be the most reliable hunting gps app out there check it out today and finally baku e-bikes these are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters this is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting, checking your tree stand trail cams, getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. So when you go scout, we got to figure out what, what can you go look for? Once you've obviously the first thing is to get on on X, especially with their new updates. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a video coming out August 12th on YouTube and uh, on our YouTube channel that's going over some of the new updates and how to use those for e-scouting. So be on the lookout for that video because they show how we use the radius tool to okay. not only kind of block off like little one to two mile radiuses that your average hunter is going to be at based on trailheads dead end roads campgrounds just think like your average hunter and then you can put those radiuses on the map and you can tilt the maps now 3d and the resolution's actually way way better and then you can kind of get a game plan for like like your boundary of like okay here's the zones of pressure here's your zones of access here's where these elk are going to kind of probably get pushed and then you can really like maybe outline the areas that are outside the zones of pressure and go figure out, go get boots on the ground. And then tell me some of the stuff you would look for in those areas when you're scouting and covering ground. Okay, definitely. Um, so the area I'm looking at, obviously I'm not going to just say the name of the area or the unit, but yeah, please don't. Um, it's clearly, it, it's a nice area. So there's definitely a lot of North facing slopes, um, there is some trailheads that lead up to like a secondary trailhead, I guess you can say. And those secondary trailheads are like 12 to up to 12 to 15 miles long. So mm. damn, okay. I don't plan on going, maybe I won't even be going that far in, but maybe I will have to, I don't know. We'll find out. 
but I, they're good trailheads where I don't think there's going to be a lot of people back there in that September timeframe. Um, they'll probably be on that primary trailhead mostly. And then I think once, if I could reach that secondary trailhead, I think it'll be, it'll be pretty good, a good spot. I don't think no one's going to be back there. Um, I like Onyx because it also shows the topography and you could check the trails and see the steepness and the, you know, has like the color code that shows you how steep the trail is. So it does get kind of steep back there as well. It is a quick increase in altitude. So, but that's where the elk like to hang out. Um, a lot of timber right above that timber line. I think it's at, last time I looked at that area, it was sitting around 11,300 feet. Yeah. And then it goes up from there to, you know, high 12s. So it's, it's a definitely a steep area where I think you'll be able to find some elk in those deep areas. Um, definitely going to be looking for, so a lot, this was a long time ago, but last year we were hiking back there, just backpacking and just for fun. It wasn't for scouting or anything. It was just like a spring, nice weather, get out and go camping type thing. But uh, we were back there. Um, we did see a lot of sheds. We found a lot of sheds in that time. It was like a early March, March, April, March, April-ish timeframe last year. So definitely some huge sheds there back there as well. Okay. So possibly some, that might be too low for where the elk will be at come September, but um, the country that you described sounds like, okay, North facing with timber sounds pretty attractive. Have you figured out, have you actually put boots on the ground in some of the bedding areas and figured out, okay, this is a shelf. This is a nice flat level spot with good cover, water nearby and good shade. And there's quite a few rubs, not like too many rubs to like, this is not where the bulls summered because that can trick a lot of people. This is a pro tip y'all. This happened to me last year. I found a super dope area uh, last week of August in Idaho. And I think I literally counted like 110 rubs and I was all stoked and stuff. And then I hit that opening day and uh, there was no elk there. It, all the bulls had left already. Like that was where they summered. That's mm -hmm. where velvet had come off two weeks prior, like mid August. And then they'd already gone on to, to greener pastures. Um, so finding just enough rubs that kind of coincides with good bedding area. And honestly, like this time of year, I like to try to find where the, where the cows are at because yeah. wherever those cows are summering up high, usually generally speaking not always that's good indication that there's rut grounds nearby and that's where you're going to be so getting cameras out in those funnels those pinch points those saddles those shelves in the north facing near you know and then figuring out some water systems and where you're going to get your water and all that jazz uh, that's that can be done on e-scouting uh, have you do you, so you have an onyx uh, subscription have have you tried the new features since they've updated the actual web-based version that you can do from like a desktop um no i have not yet i've been playing on my cell phone because i'm usually at the gym when i'm doing it or playing around it in my free time yeah i would highly encourage you to dedicate to a bigger screen uh than your cell phone and it's almost like a google earth style vibe now with what they got going on um so to get it to 3d mm -hmm. tilt it up and you can kind of navigate that way and you can now drop waypoints why it's in 3d 
you can take your waypoints and you click on your waypoint and you can say add a radius. And when you add that radius, you can decide, okay, I want a, a one mile radius, a two mile radius, and really start to paint a picture of certain areas. And uh, that's going to be key for you. But I guess right now, the biggest thing you can do for yourself is get yourself some time behind the computer and then go confirm in person what you found. Yes. You know, so for marking up your map, that's probably going to be better to be done on a computer, to be honest with you. And then kind of get a plan, go check your plan and then get your cameras out or whatever and go from there. Um, and try to find those rubs, those beds, that fresh sign. Um, maybe even figure out a couple of places that are good vantages to glass from. And you could spend the evening just on a high point perch watching elk and seeing what they're doing. Are they cows? Is it a bachelor group? Where are they feeding? What, what's the grocery store for them? Um, that kind of thing. I don't know. And then check out the hunting pressure. You know, one thing on Google Earth you can do is pull up certain trails, certain roads even, and see how smashed down the grass is, how much foot traffic, how much vehicle traffic. And then are four-wheelers a thing in that unit? Um, for some of the trailheads, you are allowed to use a four-wheeler. And then for some of the deeper, further back ones, you're not. Okay. Do you have e-bike, dirt bike, four-wheeler, any of that I stuff? I have a four-wheeler, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it, man, being like a weekend warrior? But like my heart goes out to anyone in your position who has a kid, has a girl, has a job, has a career, and you're just like you have a passion for elk hunting and you want to do it right. But you just, you got a lot going against you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely uh, difficult. It's going to be difficult, but challenge accepted, right? Oh yeah. So no, I feel what you got. Um, how many scouting trips do you think you're going to get? Oh, where are we at now? We're July 9th. So tax. So this weekend I won't, uh, next weekend. So what's that? One, two, three. For five, the next five weeks will probably be dedicated, five weekends will be dedicated to scouting and getting boots on the ground and trying to figure out and confirm those areas, like you said. Um, I have a few in mind, so I'll go check those out in the next few weeks. And then I will also be doing pronghorn hunting starting August 15th. So that's opening season okay. for pronghorn. And then here, that's kind of rough because it's over the counter, mostly out east. Um but you, it, it's, it's very private land. There's not a lot of public land where over-the-counter pronghorn is here in Colorado. So I do have some buddies that own some land out east. We don't know if it's the best spot yet. But so five weeks of scouting for elk and then a couple weeks of pronghorn hunting right before the season starts. Okay. Well, it's exciting. Tell you what, let's, let's tap into your knowledge. A lot of people elk shape wise want to know what can they do leading up to the season maybe it's not too little too late to move the needle in the right direction to have more capacity to elk hunt your best so if a guy's got three or four weeks leading up to the season sprinkle in some nuggets of information on 
stimulus, things that will better prepare them to have a more enjoyable time in the backcountry? I'm um, just training the proper way. So there's uh, the said principle. I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. Specific adaptation to impose demands. That's what that stands for. And if you're going to train for something, you need to do what you're training for. Like if I go do a bunch of bench presses, guess what? I'm not going to get good at hiking, right? So if you want to get good at hiking, you need to put some load on your back and you need to go up and you need to hike a mountain, a hill, stair climber, whatever you have access to and whatever you can get to, you got to just put some load on your back and you got to go out there and hike. Um, obviously training in the weight room is going to be helpful too. Uh, I would say more leaning more towards the endurance side right before season starts and then kind of tapering that volume off before the season really gets uh, full blown. So that way you're not blowing up and you can have that energy left over so that you can get on those heels and put in work. But I think the biggest thing is people try to do too much too soon and they're not doing enough ahead of time when they need to. So I think volume and intensity is going to be a huge factor for some people. Um, it's just like a sports season. You know, if they're leading up to a season, the intensity raises, but the volume drops. And so when they're in season, same thing, intensity is up. They're not training that often. The volume's very low. That's exactly how it needs to be for someone that's out there training to get in the mountains and hike as well. So if you're going, if you're a weekend warrior like me, your week volume during September kind of drops a little bit. You know, you're not going to be able to hit uh, two a day sessions or train for two hours. Like you said, it's going to, it's going to have to drop down a little bit and you're going to have to plan that ahead of time. So that way, when you are in season, you're still training, but the volume is very, is programmed very um, particular to what you plan on doing. So that way you're not blowing up on um, recovery is going to be the next biggest thing. So Recovering is probably more important than the actual training itself when it's actual in seasons or, you know, game time, whatever it is. So that'd be my biggest principle is just follow that specific adaptation, let your body adapt. Your stimulus is going to adapt to that. And then that's kind of just where you go from there. That's what I would say. Okay. So you personally have been training for two hours. And then once you hit season, hit your stride, you're going to be pretty, you know, sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus you have life to deal with besides just hunting. So instead of doing like two hour bouts, you're going to lower the volume and ratchet up the intensity. So give us a snapshot of an in-season training bout for you. I know that's a tough question, but it's just give us a snapshot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just a quick idea of where I'm at now. So that way I can kind of show you guys where my volume is going. Uh, we do like a conjugate style periodization. So it's a very max effort as it is already anyway, but a lot of volume. So Monday, Tuesday are max effort days, upper body and lower body um, separated. So Monday's lower body, Tuesday's upper. Wednesday, we usually have a heavy um, Metcon day. So like pretty much like CrossFit style workouts, if you will. And then Thursday, Friday are dynamic effort days. So dynamic effort, lower dynamic effort Friday. The goal for those days is moving decently heavy weight, moderate weight at a very fast pace um, with some of those main lifts and changing the variations week to week. So that way you're not getting overuse injuries and you're changing it up a little bit. Um, and then we have a lot of accessory work. So those accessory works, you know, the whole session ends up taking about two hours. So as I get closer to in season, that's going to taper down. Um, probably still perform max efforts on that Monday, Tuesday, but I won't do as many sets. Uh, right now we're doing 
where we are. We're doing like three sets of five, three sets of three, three sets of one, or no, three sets of two. And then we go into like a bunch of singles, basically just trying to max out. So it ends up being high volume and heavyweight at the same time. And then same thing for that Tuesday. So that'll taper down to where I'm literally probably just hitting, trying to get at least 80% or higher and then only hitting maybe three to four sets of that. What are um, some of your core movements or lifts that you will still do in season? Uh, I'll still do the main lifts as far as back squat, bench press, um, deadlift. Uh, we do sumo deadlift a lot right now. Um, we still switch the variations up. I'll still, you know, do, we have, we have, uh, we're a big fan of like specialty bars. So we use like camber bars and bow bars, uh, earthquake bars, rhino bars, things like that from Ben Bell. Um, I like those because those really work those stabilizer muscles that you don't really use in a normal movement. So it kind of amplifies that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'll still be hitting the main lifts. Nothing changes as far as what lifts I do, just the volume and intensity changes. No, I feel that. Um, so who's the West side guy? Is what do you, you? mean? <laughs> um, so when I first started working at speed and strength society, the director of performance and one of his former coaches were kind of like diving into it, getting pretty heavy on it. And then he runs the whole West side type conjugate program with the tactical athletes. Right. Okay. Okay. So kind of dove into that. No, that makes sense. Uh, for those listening. So West side barbell, Louis Simmons, uh, as far as I know, he's the one that coined the phrase conjugates and it is kind of a, a really solid template. Um, it is a lot of max effort uh days and you the reps can be low and they do have like deload weeks and they also have like pretty cool recovery days where you avoid eccentric contractions or things that put load on the muscle as it lengthens mm -hmm. uh, i totally i mean i imagine you guys are using sleds and all sorts of cool stuff oh, on yeah. those days and yeah man I, I get it i think that's cool um for your average guy hiking heart rate do you feel that it's beneficial for folks to maybe pay more attention to what their heart rate's doing rate of perceived exertion um what kind of metrics do you, do you think would be important to pay attention to if you were interested in measuring and managing uh definitely heart rate um i think if you do a dynamic effort day right with conjugate and then even that Wednesday when we do metabolic conditioning, I definitely think measuring the heart rate is huge. So if you can measure your resting heart rate and then go in and do a dynamic effort the right way where you're doing 12 sets of three, but it's at a lighter weight and the reps are fast. The goal is to be explosive and quick through those movements and minimal rest between sets. And you're checking your heart rate at the end of that, it spikes pretty quick. So, I mean, and then especially on Wednesdays, it's more of a CrossFit style workout where we're just kind of getting after and just trying to get the heart rate up. So finding out your max heart rate, finding out what your resting heart rate is and then seeing, you know, kind of tinkering with your heart rate, I guess you could say. Yeah. Seeing like what movements you can go through, how long you can go and how high your heart rate gets through those movements and then kind of playing with it and testing it and then pushing the envelope every week to week, trying to improve on that. I think that would be huge. Yeah, no, it would definitely be huge. I started wearing uh, a Garmin instinct. I, I do have a strap for it. Uh, mm -hmm. When I first got it, of course, I, I was like, Oh, I haven't done heart rate monitor training since my days of athletes performance. 
uh, that's where I met Luke Richardson and Mark Verstegen, all these, you know, Greg Cook, all these big names in strength and conditioning world. And man, did I geek out and I hadn't done it in a while. And uh, now that I'm 40 or almost 40, it's like getting my heart rate above 170 is pretty hard, uh, mm-hmm. pretty high intensity, but I, I can do on my cross training days. Uh, I can get a sustained effort for 20 to 30 minutes in the one sixties. That's pretty intense. Um, I personally don't taper for elk season, but mm-hmm. I also don't do a lot of stuff that, uh, requires me to taper. Um, GPP is my number one goal. So just general physical preparedness for those listening. And, and my, my experience has been that, uh, show up to elk season, pretty much in the best shape I can be for the year. And for me, that's at my strongest at almost my leanest, although I stay pretty lean year round and mm-hmm. at my best like work capacity level. And then once elk hunting's over, and for me, that's usually somewhere in early October, I come out of it, not in good shape. Honestly, uh, I, I don't get in great shape from elk hunting. I actually get weaker. I get smaller. I don't, you know, I can hike a long ways, but I'm not in what I would consider to be great. I don't have a tremendous capacity for a well-rounded approach. You get pretty specialized pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was in your position and I could only hunt weekends, take me through like maybe, maybe Monday is my hardest day because I just got out of the mountains. I'm the most fatigued, but that'll give me the most time to recover between bouts, if you will, between hunting bouts, what would Monday look like? What would Tuesday, what would Wednesday look like? And then I don't even know if I would train Thursday if I was so set on hunting my best. So kind of write me a script real quick of a, a well-rounded approach for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if I'm a weekend warrior during September. Okay. Yeah. During September, uh, like you said, you're going to be pretty beat up after those weekends of, especially for me or somebody like me, that's a weekend warrior in there losing sleep on the weekend they're out there hiking and hunting and trying to find those spots so Monday you're not going to feel good and that's just how it is and the thing with conjugate is and that max effort style is max effort doesn't mean balls to the wall right max effort means you go in and you do what you physically can for how you feel how you've prepared and how you know just how that day is going to go you might only hit 70 percent on your back squat or deadlift for that day and if that feels like crap, you got to listen to your body and you got to know, okay, my technique's going to crap. I need to stop and move on to my GPP movements, or I need to move on to my accessory work for the day. So I would go in, still do the same movements. I try to hit that back squat or whatever the variation is for the day. It changes week to week, but I would go in and hit that uh, max effort for whatever feels good. Um, as soon as I get to that point, you move on, you hit your accessories or hitting movements that are, are going to help you. Um, for your weaknesses. So still focusing on if, you know, I know my sumo deadlift, if my glutes are the issue, then I'm going to focus on accessory work for my glutes for the rest of the session and some other accessory work, maybe some lat pull downs to focus on that posture and things like that. Some sled work, some sled pulls, still trying to work GPP, still trying to keep that heart rate up a little bit. Um, Tuesday, same thing how you feel, go in, hit that max effort. Like I said, it's going to be less volume. It might be only two or three sets. And then I would personally take Wednesday off because that's the day where we really get after it and we're really pushing the envelope as far as conditioning goes. 
Um, so in season, I would definitely take that day off because Thursday, Friday, you're going to get back at it again um, with dynamic effort. And that's basically, if you do it right, like I said, it's going to be typically a light conditioning day anyway for Thursday and Friday. So that's how I would go about the in-season training for that is just kind of lowering the volume, um, taking that extra day off and then getting back to it on the weekend again. Okay. So dynamic efforts are just a little bit more higher rep, obviously higher intensity. Um, accessory movements for glutes, I think are always good no matter who you are. So mm -hmm. um, I guess we'll pick your brain a little bit. What's like your top three, accessory butt movements to get you know posterior chain guys hamstrings butt lower back that's really the muscles that pull you up mountains um quads are all show no go we really want that posterior chain and everything ryan's mentioned up to this point has really been centered around posterior chain and yeah. i can appreciate that because that's really where you make your money so give us like two or three good accessories for that and we'll call it uh we'll call it a podcast uh, two or three. So let's see my favorite right now. We've been pretty big on some lateral movements. So we like to do a barbell lateral box squat. Um, so basically a single leg lunge to the side and you're sitting down on a box, getting that nice little staying tight on the box, but you're sitting on the box, pausing, driving through your heels again, working that glute medius um, and standing up through that. The next one, I would say I like getting on an ATP. Um, it's like a belt squat for those of you that don't know. So you get in, you have a belt around your waist, the weight is pulling straight down. So you get a little bit of, uh, tension on your hips there. And then you hold either a heavy sandbag, a heavy medicine ball, heavy dumbbells. You can hold them overhead, different variations, you can hold it in just like an underhook position, whatever you want. And then just putting a timer on and just marching in place and lifting your knees up and kind of getting a rhythm going and just holding that march in place for a long time. Um, and then we're also big proponents on reverse hypers. So mm. heavy reverse hypers. Um, when I was in the military, I slipped three discs throughout my career in the military. So, and I think when I landed this job at Speed and Strength Society and we got into that conjugate program, um, the director was like, just, you just need to hit some reverse hypers because I wasn't able to lift or really do anything at the time. I was kind of in a rut as far as my training went. And so we started doing reverse hypers and literally maybe the second or third time I did them, I felt like my back, cause you just get that um, extraction of your spine basically in a good way. And then you're also getting that contraction of all the muscles that protect your glutes and protect the lower back and things like that. So I literally felt like my discs, <laughs> like for, this is not what happened, but I literally felt like my disc kind of like slipped back in. And then after that, my back has just felt amazing. And whenever it flares up, I just hit some reverse hypers and then boom, I'm good to go. So yeah, you know, that was one favorite. of the, the nicest things I ever bought for the gym. I owned was reverse hyper, um, learned it from Louis Simmons and it does create more space between the discs bottom line. And if you're susceptible, um, I mean, I battled a lower back injury all first quarter of 2021. Like mm -hmm. I heard it right before my very first elk shape camp. And I had seven camps in nine weeks with, so I'm bringing like my, you know, like massage gun, lacrosse ball, uh, bands to stretch with me. And you can ask the guys that go to camp with me, like Dirk Durham and Jeff Bynum and Joel Turner watching me just sprawl all over the floor in between, in between days at camp, just trying to get like <laughs> space created. Uh, they're so nagging. They're so debilitating. 
And the thing is, is like 80% plus of the U.S. population has lower back issues. Yep. Uh, for sure. And it, it's just a matter of time. It's a chink in all our armor. The reverse hyper is something that I am going to have to buy from my garage gym. I don't have one right now. When I sold the gym, that stayed with the gym. And I don't have one. And I want it in my, I want it in my workout diet. You know what I mean? I oh, need yeah. it in my menu. So super awesome on that. Well, Ryan, I'm going to probably talk to you down the road here about possibly doing some programming for elk shape. And what I mean by that is um, there's a new platform called locals. Okay. And locals is kind of like an, an, like an Instagram that's not censored. So like if I put up something about COVID, there wouldn't be like a little note from local saying this isn't follow the C CDC guidelines or, you know, whatever, or gotcha. yeah. show how to gut an elk or butcher an elk top to bottom. It will put up a graphic content sign. So it's like, it's basically just not censored content, which is cool. So I set that up recently and I've been putting like my YouTube and podcast stuff that I, ha I get done. I'm usually ahead of schedule. I'll just put it on there for people that want to be supporters and they can watch all my stuff. They'll be able to listen to this podcast before anybody else. And okay. the reason why I set that account up is eventually I want to provide programming for people to follow and that I'll follow uh, and they can get their programming right off locals. Uh, I think it's like five bucks a month. And I think that's a super huge value. That way I don't have to create an app or anything. It's going to be, here's your workout. And I'm, I'm looking at hiring that out because I don't have the bandwidth to do the programming. So we'll have to talk about that. I want you to think about that. Um, what it would look like to get to hire you to do, you know, waves and some peaks and valleys and probably a year's worth of programming for Elk Shape. And we'll put it on locals and build that community. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. That'd be sweet. Cool. Uh, where can people follow you uh, as you do some Weekend Warrior in September and see your success and see how it goes for you and learn stuff and be inspired? Like, where are you at on socials or websites or whatever? Um, I'm 100% on Instagram. So you can follow my Instagram at coach.gonzalez. Cool. I'll have to give you a follow. Um, great. I appreciate your time. I'm stepping on to another call here in a second. But, uh, man, I hope you get something out of this podcast, guys listening. Um, I know that you and me, Ryan, have not met yet, but we will. I'm in Denver at least once a year. My brother-in-law lives there, uh, Elroy, and uh, just really good people in Colorado. So thanks for your time. Guys, separation is in the preparation. Good luck. Get ready. Do those last-minute tweaks on your programming. Get that last-minute scouting. And uh, can't wait to hear about all your success. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, guys, that was a fun podcast. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Good luck, you weekend warrior, and shout out to all my weekend warriors. Nothing but respect for your hustle. I know you're going to sacrifice a lot of time, energy, sleep to make it happen. I wish you nothing but success. Fall is almost here, guys. Hopefully, you're making your last-minute purchases and getting your gear tested out. Check out BlackOvis.com. I have a discount code. It is ElkShape. That'll take 10% off. They sell everything under the sun. 
the discount code has just a couple exclusions, so you should be good to go. Uh, folks have been asking me which Krispies I'm going to use this year. Again, the Colorados and the Brickstalls. If I had to choose between those two, I would lean towards the Brickstalls. And honestly, as soon as it gets just a little bit cold, I'll be switching out to the guides. Uh, those are just my favorite boots that Crispy makes, period. Uh, good luck on making your best decisions. And by the way, I always like to bring two pairs of boots just because I like to switch boots out every day. So if you can afford that option, um, make the investment. The next thing I want to plug is the elkcollective.com. People have been emailing me. Um, they don't have a mentor. They don't know where to start. They want to get into elk hunting. And I just keep sending them to the elkcollective.com. Whether you're a newbie or a seasoned vet, watch our library video vault full of awesome pertinent information on how to close the deal, how to crush the elk hunting learning curve, and that we have a team of subject matter experts. So it's not like just my narrative. It's several different folks and their angles that they take on elk hunting. It's invaluable. Use the discount code ElkShape Podcast, all one word. It'll take $25 off and get to learning. Uh, I'm super stoked that uh, we have an article coming out on Buck Knife's blog. Uh, the folks from CCAT Creative were just at my house yesterday um, shooting the, the videos and recording the audio so that they can write the article and all I'm doing is going through everything you need to check your bow before you head out the door this fall so it's like a complete list of boxes to check to make sure everything's doped and that you're ready and you know archery is tough you got to have everything dialed not only for flight of broadheads but for just to make sure your bow is super tuned it stays in tune so it's kind of your best practices be on the lookout for that at bucknives.com spy point trail cameras the new cell link attaches to any trail camera that you own and turns it into a cell phone trail camera i have four cell links uh, i got them attached to my old trail cams and they work I've been testing them. They work. And so I'm headed out to the desert to put a few out for antelope. And then I'm going to make the long trek over to my elk spot. I'm going to be putting several of their actual micro cell phone trail cams, the LTEs. And we're going to be getting transmissions and information in my areas without me having to make the long 10-hour drive to my elk spot multiple times. And that's going to save me money and gas time that I can dedicate towards my family and I'm still going to be feel like I'm I'm getting some good information and then I got a pile of just regular spy points that I'm putting out here locally for deer and bear especially in Washington so it's going to be pretty exciting uh, Northwest Retention Systems does have a chest holster that you might want to look into. It is, uh, I carry it underneath my binos. And the only reason I plug this company is because, number one, the guy is local here in Washington. He does handcrafted, handmade, suited to your handgun. Uh, and he's got a fast turnaround, like the lead time's five days. And the next thing is I have a discount. It is elk shape. That'll take 10% off, no shipping and handling, five-day lead time. Get the scout. Put whatever handgun you have in there. I would recommend a 10 millimeter or a 44 mag for G bear country. Uh, if you just want to have something, then get like a nine mil or a 40 caliber. I have a Glock 23 that I carry in black bear country. So check out Northwest retention systems, get to going. You owe it to your family, black rifle coffee company. I'm definitely a coffee guy. Like when I get out of bed, that's the first thing I do is I go right to the coffee pot grind my beans and get going. So I have a discount code with Black Rifle Coffee Company. They're veteran owned and honestly, I just like their vibe. Very pro-America. Need I say more? Use a discount code ElkShape, 15% off. Check out their subscription because you can get exclusive coffee at your doorstep 
every month and now they have a magazine first edition just dropped coffee or die magazine and these guys are just killing it man so black rifle thanks for all the support at the elk shape camps vortex wear the discount code is elk shape 20 percent off anything apparel wise at vortex and uh, try the new sun slayer if you haven't especially for hot summer days scouting wilderness athlete discount code elk shape 30 30 off your first purchase numa gear has all these new products dropping in mid-august the discount code is elk shape 20 that'll take 20 percent off and on x i have a discount code if you're going to get the elite which you should i run tracking i download all my maps prior to going out the discount code is elk shape that'll take 20 percent off Kufaru, I'm running the 22 mag for elk hunting this year. Unless I end up doing like a couple of overnights like Spike or Bivy, then I'll graduate to the Hoodlum. And there is not a better backpack system out there. I've tried just about everything. Their frame is the greatest thing they've ever done. And that is something I didn't know until I knew. And when I tried it on, I was like, wow. And then I used it. And you guys know I have no fluff. Kufaru does not like sponsor me. I work with Kufaru, but I don't, I'm not paid to say anything. So shout out to Kufaru and their turnaround times. They are on point right now. So if you're looking for a last minute backpack, which I rank as one of the most important pieces of equipment, go to Kufaru and check out the Hoodlum or the 22 mag or the 44 mag specifically for elk hunting. Make sure you get the necessary accessories and go from there. Matthews, archery i'm running the v331 for all of my spot and stock type of elk hunting antelope hunting and then i'm using the v327 so any ground blind setting over water holes or for deer and both are killer setups my starter is the 31 and my backup is the 27 and i'm pretty much feeling deadly and i'm so excited to get out here for antelope here really soon Last but not least is we have the Elk Shape Camps. Uh, Pre-sale goes live till August 31st, and that is going to be the best price you can get locked in. Only four locations this year, and you can blame my wife and my small family, my young kids. I did not want to do seven camps this year. I traveled too much in 2021, so 2022, four locations only. We are going to... Uh, be able to have at most 50 athletes per camp. You will be able to camp on site at the Oregon one and at the Texas one. We are blocking off hotels at the uh, Wisconsin camp because there's only one hotel and it's right across the street from the new Vortex Edge facility. And then the last camp in Utah, we're working on a block hotel there as well. The Utah facilities are unbelievable. Every location is unbelievable. That's why I'm going to these four spots is because I can deliver the experience that will not only knock your socks off, but you will leave that camp knowing how to create the best possible version of yourself. So jump on there because we are giving away a black bear hunt in Alaska with me, you, and a friend. We're giving away a hunt at the Texas camp. You'll come a day early and kill some stuff with me and the Elk Shape Squad. Uh, we're giving away a lifetime on X membership. We're giving you $50 towards the black ovis.com uh, uh, we're giving away an e-bike adventure ride with elk shape and the baku team which is going to be super rad it's going to be in north idaho you're going to stay at my cabin i'm going to take you on a couple of epic e-bike rides it'll be unbelievable we're giving away a bunch of other stuff and it's just for those that sign up at the pre-sale that's what the raffle will be for so it won't be that your odds will be good 
and I can't wait to give away those hunts. So appreciate your guys' support. You have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. Thanks for choosing ours. Remember, separation is in the preparation. We are in crunch time. If you have three weeks out from the season, maybe think about getting my program 21 Days to Elk Shape, and that will get you fine-tuned, ready to coast into season and get after it. 